Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. We've been studying on the life of Jacob. And uh, today's study, we take a dramatic turn. Last week, we studied Jacob had an encounter going out of Israel into exile. This week, he has another encounter, very mysterious encounter, coming back into Israel. And uh, we want to explore some of the teaching here, because in reality, Jacob has to come face to face with some issues. You ever seen that shirt? I have issues. Jacob wore that shirt. I have issues. Right, And the reason that he had issues is that he made some questionable decisions, some negative decisions, some major life-changing, life-altering decisions, uh, and that's what put him into exile. And uh, if we're open and honest with the Holy Spirit... Uh, God will usually show us if we're struggling in an area, if we feel like we're exiled from a certain blessing and we can't attain what God has promised in the Bible, it's usually, if you trace it all back, we trace it back to some uh, issue, some decision that we made that took us off course. And the good news is God wants to get us back on course. Amen? And uh, that's what Torah study is all about. At its root, the word Torah is an archery term. And it means to shoot straight, to take aim and shoot straight. And God will make your way straight. He'll keep you out of that military lifestyle of left, right, left, right. And keep you right down the old blessing middle. Who likes that? Amen. I know I do. And so, uh, Jacob... Uh, is in this spot where his past behavior is still in question. You can be a Christian, you're born again, but some of your behavior can still be in question. Some of the consequences of your past uh, uh, may still need to be worked out in this way or that way. Amen? And uh, so for you and I, uh, the lesson is if we don't deal with our past sins... If we don't uh, deal with some of those negative attitudes, some of those flaws in our personality, anybody here walking on water? I don't see that hand. I don't see that hand. I don't see that hand. No, none of us are walking on water. There's still things that God would like us to work out. And he needs you and I to partner with him. And Jacob had to do some of that uh, uh, if he wanted to advance. Anybody want to advance in the kingdom of God? Anybody still interested in climbing the ladder of spiritual success? Amen. Well, part of it's up to God and part of it's up to us. you got to have a want to. Amen. And so uh, Jacob is working all of this out. He's in Jordan 
and he's uh, uh, on the banks of one of the rivers in Jordan, the Jabbok River in Jordan, and he's heading back to the promised land. He's about to resume his spiritual mission, but before all of this can happen, he's got to face down some demons. Okay, Uh, even back then, yeah, there's spiritual warfare. Just because we're born again doesn't mean there's no fights to fight. Just because we're born again, it doesn't mean there's nothing uh, in front of us that needs to be overcome. And so uh, Jacob has to deal with some of the consequences of his life uh, in Israel before the exile. I mean, he did some things to his brother deceitful things that uh, led to the exile and led to that estrangement uh, in his family. And then on top of that, he's now with uh, his uncle Laban. uh, And Uncle Laban isn't exactly a born-again, new-beginnings Christian. Okay, so, you know, so these questions come up. Uh, you know, your whole life you've been almost uh, living as if you wanted to be Esau. You, in your mama's womb, you're struggling with Esau. When you're born, you grabbed onto his heel. Uh, you stole his blessing. You bought his birthright. Uh, you're in exile because of Esau. You can't come back to Israel because of Esau. Esau, Esau, I'm sick and tired of Esau. And uh, throw in Laban to boot, and you've got yourself a uh, uh, some issues there. So God arranges this bizarre encounter so that uh, Jacob can have a reckoning. He needs to have a reckoning in who he's become. All right? Is he the same man he always was? Right? Or has he changed for the better? Or has he changed for the worse? And, and that's kind of what Christians need to grapple with every now and then, right? When God begins to speak to us about our lives, our personality, our attitude, our behavior, our conduct. ABC, attitude, behavior, conduct. God will speak to us. The Holy Spirit will convict us. And, you know, it doesn't matter what age we are. Uh, it just, uh, you know, God is probing. God is testing our hearts to see, are we still willing to uh, uh, work on being transformed? Amen. Amen. And we never get too old for that. Amen. Amen. And so Jacob, you know, he's grown up, uh, but God wants him to come face to face with some things. So uh, especially if he's going to resume Abraham's mission, Isaac's mission. If he's going to be... Uh, included in the list, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he got to work things out. He's got to do what the Beatles did, Paul McCartney. We can work it out. (laughs) Amen. And so, sometimes God will show you what the root is. Other times, uh, you may get a prophetic word, and someone has a word of knowledge, and suddenly you realize what the root cause. Why do I keep taking one step forward and three steps back? Why, why, 
Why am I sitting here in a charismatic, Holy Ghost, devil-thumping, pew-jumping, Bible-carrying church, but I don't have the victory? What's going on? There's root causes. All right? And uh, part of the root cause for Jacob was he took something that didn't belong to him. And he never really worked that out. He never said, I'm sorry. He never made any amends. He never went back to do his part in repairing the damage that was done. And uh, the blessing that he took from Esau uh, was a blessing that was focused on prosperity and financial success. Uh, We don't have time to delve into that. Uh, But this is the blessing that's manifesting in Jacob while he's with Laban. He's now fantastically wealthy. Uh, And the question that needs to be addressed is whether through all of that, has Jacob become stronger spiritually and that's his top priority? Or is he consumed with this pursuit of wealth and abundance? And so uh, the anointing of that blessing is making him more like Esau. All right? And so the big question is the reason for the wrestling match in this week's Torah study is to answer uh, Jacob, which two of the blessings are you going to make top priority? Is making money and being a businessman going to be your top priority? Or is serving God and establishing His covenant going to be your top priority? Two anointings. In a good sense, uh, Jesus said, I've made you kings and priests in Revelation 1. So each of us have this ability to be creative, to be blessed, to uh, uh, climb the ladder of financial success. But hey folks, uh, newsflash. The goal isn't things. Our goal in life isn't to acquire more things, build uh, uh, bigger barns, and become rich in the worldly sense, and not be rich towards God. Right? We can have both. But being a priest, being spiritually minded, that has to be top priority. That's job one. And so, uh, Jacob's got everything money can buy. But that's the issue. (laughs) Because now uh, that he's mastered prosperity, the, the question is, has prosperity mastered him? And so... Uh, as he's resuming this uh, spiritual mission, he has to uh, come face to face with who he is in God and what his priorities are. Amen. And so uh, for you and I today, it's one thing to ask God to bless you and to make you prosperous, to be wealthy. Nothing wrong with that. But it's quite another issue to make sure that the power of wealth doesn't affect you in a negative way. Now that I'm I'm blessed of the Lord, uh, really it's not the Lord, it's me. 
Oh, I, I don't have time anymore to go to church. I don't have time anymore to pray and study. I don't have time to build the kingdom. I'm too busy building my kingdom. And that's where uh, the problem lies. Wealth is an amplifier, right? It'll amplify what's in us for either good or bad. Uh, Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6.24. He said, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Right? And so... Uh, just before Jacob goes back into the promised land, uh, God arranges one of those uh, uh, wrestling matches. All right? And he's got to decide which of the two anointings is going to dominate in his life. Uh, because he can't go in back into Israel unrighteous. God's not going to allow that to happen. And so this is the key for you and me in many cases Uh, if we want to go into more of our destiny there's usually some kind of thing that God wants us to encounter and face down and decide in this part of my personality that part of my personality something's got to get worked out right and uh, and so this is where the Holy Spirit comes in right He'll help us uh, do Holy Ghost heart surgery. And He'll help us to see what manner of man or woman we're becoming. And when you start looking in the mirror, that's when, oh, (laughs) I don't want to have to deal with that. No, God wants us to deal with that. Not not so He can uh, uh, degrade you or downgrade you or punish you or make you feel guilty and condemned, but He knows that's what's blocking your blessing. That's what's blocking your progress. And so as you discover these things, and then in prayer, and then if you have somebody that's close that you can trust and confide in, you say, look, I, I wouldn't mind being accountable. That This is what I'm trying to do. This is what God's trying to do in me. And uh, any little tidbit or help, sounding board, feedback that you can give me, I appreciate it because I want to move on with God. I don't want to get stuck in a rut. And so this might be having a negative or depressing outlook on life. All right? Life can get tough at times. But despite it being tough at times, God says rejoice in the Lord always. Right? Count it all joy. Find a way as uh, Bruce, uh, not Bruce Almighty, the guy in Dumb and Dumber, he found his happy spot. Find your happy spot. Your your sins are forgiven. <laughs> You're on your way to heaven. Right? If, if that's all Jesus did when He died on the cross is give you a ticket to paradise, you can't praise Him enough. If all your lot in life is to suffer until that day comes, you still couldn't praise Him enough. Amen? You, you might have a harsher and different attitude towards others. 
Boy, the climate today in America, you could get apathetic and critical and just, you know, uh, real quick. That's not what God wants. Show us where we're at with that, Lord. It could be, you know, look, I tried all that giving stuff, and I just don't like it. I don't agree with it. I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. I want me, my wife, my two kids, and uh, us four to uh, can all we get and get all we can and sit on the lid. All right. That's not the way to happy, uh, a healthy relationship in God. Look, if your family is dysfunctional, your marriage, your relationship with uh, your siblings or your children or your grandchildren, God can turn all of that around. He wants to turn all of that around. But it doesn't do any good to be finger-pointing and rock-throwing. You have not been saved to join the rock-throwing ministry. All right, so a lot of that, whether it's uh, these things, if it's self-centeredness, pride, dishonesty, immorality, whether uh, you're uh, just prone to debate and criticize and argue round the clock, all of these different things are what God wants us to face down and overcome. Uh, He wants us to be a prevailing people. Amen. Amen? And so this is the lesson. It's not only what we're doing. You can't just uh, consider what you're doing for the Lord. That's a good consideration. You also have to consider, we have to consider, what we're becoming for the Lord. What are we becoming for the Lord? What manner of man or woman are we becoming? Amen? And so what does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world and yet lose their own soul? And so church is just, uh, you know, uh, addressing these kind of things. The Torah is addressing this because God wants you blessed. God wants you whole. God wants you walking at a higher level of uh, anointing, a higher level of wisdom, a higher level of of compassion and all these different things. And so it's something we're building toward. Who's building towards that? Amen. Well, I can't help but think when I read uh, about Jacob and this struggle this wrestling match that he's in, I, I can't help but think about Paul and the dilemma that he describes in Romans 7. And in Romans 7, uh, 15, he says, he says that, uh, I do not understand my own actions. I'm baffled and bewildered. I do not practice or accomplish what I wish. But I end up doing the very thing that I loathe, which my moral instincts condemn. That's from the Amplified Bible. Paul's describing a dilemma that every Christian at some level has to address. I'm doing things I know ain't good. Now, you're not robbing banks. You're not shooting heroin. Right, You're not uh, uh, sneaking into your neighbor's garage and stealing all of his tools. Right? Usually you get rid of that kind of thing right away. 
The harder thing to get rid of are those inner attitudes. Uh, the late great Zig Ziglar says, we all have what? Stinking thinking. And we all need what? A checkup from the neck up. Amen. And so Paul is talking about this. And he's saying, I'm dealing with this kind of thing. He says in verse 19, the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, I do. Right? It's kind of that paradox. And so uh, from that, he goes into Romans 8, and he's teaching about the difference between the spirit and the flesh. Walking in the flesh versus walking in the spirit. And it's a struggle. And the things that we set our minds on help determine which direction that we go. Those that mind the things of the flesh do the things that the flesh dictates. And those that mind the things of the Spirit do the things that the Spirit dictates. Who's walking in the Spirit today? Walking in loveliness, peacefulness, joyfulness, faithfulness, and all of these things. Amen. That's a full-time job. It's not like uh, it's a destination. It's an ongoing thing. And so like Jacob, we're wrestling with these issues of the heart. We're wrestling with our values, our priorities, and our convictions. You know, think about this. That the worst situation you could ever find yourself in as a believer is that you're living your life as a believer like you never got saved. What a bummer. To have all of this abundant life, all of this potential at your disposal, and yet you're reverting back to the things you know you shouldn't be doing. Amen? Amen? And so this is the wrestling match. And uh, this is why Ephesians speaks of a wrestling match. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. Right? It's not people. People are a tool. It's what's behind the scene. Pull back the curtain, Lord. Give me spiritual eyes to see what's going on in my world and what uh, uh, ways the devil is pushing all the right buttons for him, the wrong buttons for me, and how I just emotionally get dragged right back in to the same kind of garbage that I got saved out of. Right? Are you with me? Amen. And so, uh, if anyone gets dominion in our lives, it's the Lord. Amen. The devil, past experiences, negative emotions and feelings, that does not rule my life. It does not rule your life. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. You, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you so that you can live a resurrected life. Amen? Amen. So Jacob's wrestling match is an encounter uh, physically, but in reality, it's a spiritual encounter, and it's dealing with what's going on inside of him. Now, in the end, Jacob prevailed. Right? Amen. 
And his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. And as that change happened, his destiny was changed. He wrestled with that angel and he prevailed. Says it took him all night. It wasn't until dawn. Which tells you that the struggle isn't just microwaved away, right? In fact, uh, the, the, uh, the rabbis teach uh, that, okay, his name changes. All right? You'll no longer be Jacob. You'll now be Israel. But then through the rest of the Torah and throughout the Bible, they keep using his name Jacob. What's up with that? If, if my name's changed from Jacob to Israel, why do you keep calling me Jacob? Why isn't it I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel? Why, I serve, why is it I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And this shows us a very important lesson. That even though you have a new identity in God, you're a new creation in Christ, it reveals to us that that old person still has to be dealt with as long as we're here on this earth. Until that rapture time happens, we're in a fight, but it's a good fight. We'll fight the good fight of faith. We'll face down our demons. We'll walk as overcomers. And we, and, but we'll have to lather, rinse, and repeat. All right? So in, in thinking about all of this, I put together seven principles to prevailing over your past. All right. Seven principles to prevailing over your past. Number one, become self-aware. All right. Know thyself. Okay. Uh, sometimes uh, we as Christians think we're not supposed to use our brains. <laughs> all right when you became a christian god didn't say turn in your brains at the door and now just be a mindless twit no you have an intellect that intellect is being sanctified and god is using his wisdom his knowledge his principles divinely to help you make the right decisions whenever you find yourself in a quandary it's probably because you made a bad decision you didn't rightly divide the word of truth and so god will help you but you need to be self-aware all right Jacob's wrestling match was within himself. It was over what was going to dominate his lifestyle. Fortunately, he became self-aware enough to realize the things that he had to overcome, and he went to work on those that night uh, on the banks of the river. One of the great psalms uh, in Psalm 139, Search me, O God. It's also Psalm 51. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. All right? So what you're asking for with that kind of prayer is you're asking for the Lord, Lord, give me some feedback here. (laughs) 
I know that I probably have some blind spots, that I, I don't have eyes to see everything, and I have a tendency to kind of judge everybody else by their actions, but I judge myself by my intentions. So help me understand how to get all of that sorted out. Haggai 1 says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Pay attention to what you're thinking, what you're doing, how you're feeling, how you're behaving. And if you find with the Spirit of God's help, the Word of God's help, that things aren't quite lining up, well then that's your prayer. What should I, what's God's will for my life? Get that organized. <laughs> Get that thing under the blood. Work on being sanctified in that area. So, become self-aware. Amen. Number two, fight the right battles. Alright. Fight the right battles. Uh, your fight isn't with your family. Your fight isn't with your employer. Your fight isn't with the government. Your fight uh, is with powers and principalities. All right? And with God's guidance and direction, Jacob came to a place in his life where he realized that Esau and Laban weren't his real problems. All right? And even if you go back a little bit further, remember the Torah said that Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah, Rivka, loved Jacob. So he was lacking a father's love. That's speaking of a dysfunction, okay? And a lot of the root causes of where uh, we're at in our lives today and why we still feel vexed or perplexed about this, that, or the other thing is because things that happen way, way back in our past. That's what a family curse is. A family curse is... Uh, something uh, that comes on you that brings a spirit and brings a consequence that keeps recurring something that you did or something that was done to you or something that was spoken over you and when Jacob was a kid he knew Isaac wasn't like I'm not uh, Isaac doesn't love he loves Jacob I'm a second class citizen in my own house and so you can imagine, and I know that uh, there's probably no one here, but we know people who grew up in a dysfunctional family. And there wasn't a lot of love there. And the picture of a father's love is missing, and that thing has to get dealt with. You need to come face to face with that. Bring some forgiveness. Well, I didn't do anything wrong, Father. However my role is in this, whatever part I had to play, I ask for your forgiveness. And help me be set free from that thing. Amen. And this is how you prevail. Right? Look, here's the deal on that. You can't go back and change what happened. Right? No one has a DeLorean that works. Not like back to the future. So you can't go back and, and uh, right the wrongs, however that all played out. But what you can do is with God's help, you can go back and change how you feel about it. Amen. And that's what 
going to church, reading your Bible, praying in the Holy Spirit, and all the uh, support systems that God has in place. That's what that's all meant to manifest. So that you can look back on that and you don't still feel like it happened yesterday where it has that emotional control. That's bondage. And that'll affect your identity and that'll affect your destiny. So fight the right battles. And so that leads us to number three, confess any sin. We touch base uh, on that. But also cast that care upon the Lord, First Peter says. Cast your cares upon the Lord because He cares for you. No matter how the issue that you might be facing develop, it really doesn't matter in the end how it all went down as much as prevailing over it. That's really the focus. How do I get on top of this, Lord? How do I overcome this? How do I prevail over these feelings, these emotions, these consequences, these past situations? Show me, guide me, counsel me so that I can make all the right decisions and move forward in my life. And and so this means that, uh, okay, I'm going to drop the R-bomb on you. Responsibility. Response able. How do we respond to that now? God is able to help you respond in an appropriate way. And whether what you're dealing with is big or small, uh, you just have to, uh, you know what, Lord? I don't even know how to assign all the blame. There's too much blame to go around. But what I do need your help with, Father God, is wash me in the blood, bring forgiveness into my life, help me to make amends wherever, whenever possible, and from that point I'm casting my care upon you, and I'm not going to live with the, the torment, the vexation, all the bewilderment and the anxiety. I bind and rebuke all of that in the name of Jesus, and I go on with my life serving you with joy in peace and with happiness. Who receives that this morning? Come on, somebody. Number four, protect your new identity in Christ. All right? Don't don't let uh, there be identity theft. Right? Jacob... And this wrestling match, in, in a way, was based on an identity crisis. Right? From the very beginning, it was said that there's, of Rebecca, there are two nations in your womb. There are two competing ideologies in your womb. And uh, uh, for Jacob, it was his destiny, and it was Esau's destiny. And now, because he stole that blessing, now he's got the blessing of Esau and the blessing of Jacob released into his life, and they're competing ideologies. And so, this is what caused him to flee and go into exile. And now he's resuming his mission, and it's really Esau's blessing that seems to have the upper hand in his life. That's what's blooming. He's a very wealthy man coming back to Israel. 
But that's not the character that God wanted represented as He resumes the family mission. Because God says this is a spiritual mission. And for you and I, our identity in Christ has made us ambassadors for Jesus. That's our identity now. No one says you can't celebrate your nationality, you can't, you, you, your ethnicity, uh, you're this, you're that. But in reality, you're a believer now, and that's the highest ranking thing. Amen. You are in Christ now. Everything else is beneath that. And so no matter who you are, what your background, where you came from, uh, 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 if you're a white man, a black man, if you're brown, yellow, no matter what, none of that matters anymore. You're not judged by the color of your skin in the kingdom of God. You're judged because you're a believer. You love the Lord. You believe in the Bible. And that's what we have in common. You're part of God's family now. So protect that. Right? Subdue some things that try to get you to... It's like Al Pacino in The Godfather 3. I tried to get out of that lifestyle, but they pulled me back in. (laughs) No, you you are a prevailing one. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. There's your marching order. Well, what's God's will for my life? Live off that scripture for the next month. I am a prevailing believer, and Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I can do all things through Him. Nothing shall be impossible to those that believe. Amen? Amen. All right, so number five. Make new friends with people who are committed to the Lord. All right? Jacob had to disassociate himself uh, from those who weren't going to serve the Lord. Laban. (laughs) He lived with Laban for 20 years. Laban could see that God was blessing him. Laban could see that there was a favor on his life, an anointing on... But Laban wasn't going to make any changes uh, uh, to become more like Jacob. Even at the, uh, uh, when Jacob uh, meets Esau, and there's this reconciliation... Esau is not going to say to Jacob, and he doesn't say to Jacob, Oh, Jacob, man, I see God is working in your life. What do I have to do to become more like that? Esau's not interested. Laban's not interested. They're not going to make godly changes to their lifestyle. And this is why the Bible says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Okay? If you want to prevail, you've got to discern who is in your circle that is pulling you down. And if they're not showing any interest, you can pray for them. You can love them when those opportunities arise. But are you going to spend all your time hanging out with them? You better not. If you want to prevail... It's a mistake to continue to be emotionally and socially bonded to unbelievers. Right? 
If they're not going to share your biblical worldview, they don't share your values, they don't share your... And they're not interested in hearing about it. Then you've got some decisions to make if you want to prevail. Now that doesn't mean you abandon your family. Right? But it does mean you reprioritize your loyalties. Who is my mother? Who is my brother? Uh, Who said that? (laughs) Yeah, Jesus. And he's asking, he's not saying, well, abandon your family to the devil. No, you pray and you intercede. You do your best to be a shining light to them. Thanksgiving comes along. You love on them and, and uh, you, you do whatever you can to be positive and loving and compassionate. But at the end of the day, my loyalties rest with the Lord. Amen. All right? The Bible says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Yeah? Bad company. Not the music group. All right, number six. Prevailing is continually resisting. Okay, this is another principle. Prevailing isn't a permanent state in in that... Okay, uh, I prevailed. It's all over now. Don't have to do any more prevailing. It's an ongoing spiritual exercise. Why? Because there's a devil who goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may kill, steal, and destroy, and devour. So there's always in this world, there's going to be different trials Different tribulations, different obstacles that try to take you back to your former mentality. So every day is a day where you're walking as a prevailer. Today I will prevail over sin and temptation. Today I will prevail over every work of darkness. And then you lather, rinse, and repeat. Amen? Look, it's okay to look at last year's or a previous victory, but you can't live on that. I'm going to watch the Dallas Cowboys play Kansas City today. If Dallas thinks that they can win today's game based on what they did last week, what happened when they played uh, whatever team, yeah, Denver just killed them. Because they got the big head. Well, I, I am so good now. There's nothing I have to do. I don't have to work hard anymore. I don't have to work on my craft. And it showed. So it is for Christians. You need to be working on your craft. Right? I'm a prevailer and I will prevail. I'm an overcomer and I will overcome. But I'm not going to rest on my laurels. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith today. 1 John 5, 4 says, Everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Did you catch that? Our continuing and persistent faith. Amen? So, uh, you're an overcomer. You're going to continue to rack up victories. 
as long as you continue to fight the good fight of faith. Who does that sound like today? Are you in on that deal? Okay, and then our last point, seven uh, principles of prevailing over your past. Uh, Quickly develop new godly habits. All right. I, I just turned 67, and at 67, uh, there's still things I'm working on. Don't say amen, honey. At 67, I have to have a mindset, if I want to prevail, if I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, if I want to overcome until the end, then I have to keep working on renewing the spirit of my mind. Right? That's a daily exercise. Well, I used soap once. (laughs) Right? Building godly habits like prayer and study of the Word, right? Those things are never supposed to get old. In fact, the, the, the more you're in this thing, the more you learn to love it. Take this life and love it. Because that's the source of your strength. Amen? That's how you move forward. You're feeding your spirit. You're feeding your soul all of these godly habits. And that's when you know that you're being built. That's what I was saying earlier. Jesus said, I will build my church. I'll build my people. And the gates of hell will not prevail. If I'm not prevailing in an area, there's still more building to do. I might need some more wisdom. I need some more counsel. I need some more strategy. I need some more insight. And I'm pursuing that as best I can so that I can have that abundant life and experience that abundant life that was paid for in full when Jesus said, It is finished. And the Torah study's finished. So if you receive that, give the Lord a great big hand clap.